0: Uh, last week, we, we started our uh, Sunday sermon series on crazy love, and we looked at God's crazy love for us. And we focused on, on how amazing His creation is, about how He shows His love for us through His creation, about His amazing presence, the fact that He wants to have a relationship with us. Um, and then, obviously, of course, the pinnacle, which was His amazing sacrifice. Uh, and that, that love should, should give us, that leaves us with, with no excuse but to not feel his love and to not respond to that love. We are left with no excuse. And so today we'll be looking at, okay, well, what about our response? What should our response be in, in our relationship with God? Um, and so really the, the title of our lesson is Our First Love. Come on right. Come on right. Definitely not working. Come on, let me try Our first love. As that's uh, that's getting sorted out, please turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. You'll have noticed that that Rogers preached from Revelations, and today we'll be looking at Revelation uh, um, as an introduction to Scripture. Obviously, we've all been inspired, those of us who went to Turkey for a leisure Conference, and we kind of got to see the churches in Revelation. Um, And so it's it's great to be able to read about this, and and also to be able to see uh, over there, really, just how real what we read in here truly is. Um, But in Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are, the words, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of... God. Amen. Uh, Again, this is obviously um, a book that was written by the Apostle John. Um, It was when he was exiled to the island of Patmos, which is actually just off the coast from Ephesus. Um, If it's a really clear day when you're in Ephesus, as you sort of go towards the coast, you can see the island where he would have been. So he would, have, he would have looked out over Ephesus and, and Asia Minor as he was writing these letters. And now obviously, uh, this isn't just him writing this though. Obviously all the other letters, yeah, they're inspired by God, but, but here, if you have a Bible that has red text, red letters in it, you'll see that, that these words are actually red letters, yeah. which is this idea of... These are actually words directly from Jesus. God was like, look, with this letter... I'm not delegating this thing. I'm, I, I'm going to go directly to the church. It's, uh, and, and really, the Ephesus church, As if you've read the book of Ephesians and if you've read the book of Acts, you'll see that the Ephesus church was an amazing church. The things that they went through, and, and I probably should have put a, a picture up here of, of, um, of it, but, but we went, I think I showed it maybe when we first came back, but we went to one of the theatres, and it's a theatre and it holds about 25,000 people. And it's the very same theater that in Acts 19 that, that disciples are brought before this crowd of 25,000 people rioting, wanting to kill them, and they stay strong in the faith. Then Paul is, is so courageous, he wants to go in and, and kind of defend the faith. And people sort of hold him back because they know if you go in, they will kill you. But just the courage that they saw, that, that, that they had, is, it was amazing. What, what a church, what a church this was. And, and not just that, but then obviously when it was planted... There was Priscilla and Aquila, and they met this guy named Apollos, and, and this humble guy who, who was zealous for God, but, but obviously had some teachings about salvation, maybe not 100% on straight, and he humbly listens, and he becomes a true disciple of Jesus. Amen. And just, just what a church this was. It really was an inspirational church. Um, and yet here, we see some things have started to go a little wrong. It starts out and it actually has some really encouraging things to say. He says, you know, you, you," he goes, look, there's some great things about you guys. You work hard. You have this intense work for the Lord. He says, you've persevered. You've remained faithful in challenges. He even says, look, you don't even tolerate or support wicked people. People it's this Greek word which has this idea of like an inward spiritual poisoning that's happened. So not talking about wicked people who go out and like kill people that too obviously but but this is talking about like a spiritual poisoned heart he said you, you guys don't tolerate that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not you have persevered you think wow these are some pretty encouraging words straight from the mouth of Jesus and again you think I wonder what he would say to the Birmingham church well, what would he say about us but then in verse 4 he says but look he goes there is something He says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. He says, yeah, look, you can do all these things, but but if you don't have love, it's not really worth much. Mm. He says, look, remember. He says, "Go, go back. Remember and repent. Do the things you did at first. This idea of going back to your first love. It's... That, that moment of when you first climbed into the waters of baptism. The love you felt. Go, go back to that moment. That moment you said Jesus was Lord. Where, where you, you thought no, nothing is going to get in the way of me and God. You, you, you 100% believe it. You knew it would be tough, but, but this was a confession till the end. You, you probably even had this idea of being. I'm, I'm, I'm going in dead, and I'm going to come out a new creation. That not just that, but, but I'm ready to kind of like I'm ready to help my friends become disciples. I can't wait to see like Birmingham. I can't wait to see the world change. You would have had those thoughts, those dreams, those visions. And, and here is this idea of he's saying, go back to how you first felt, back to that love, because he says they, the church here they, they've lost their first love. And I believe many of us fall into this as well, and if you aren't there right now, you, you probably will be at some point, or you have been but probably many of us are, are maybe even there right now. Where, yeah, we're, we're going along, but, but, but our love, our, our love has drifted. That first love isn't really there anymore. And Jesus gives them this strong rebuke. He actually says, this is a salvation issue. I will take your lampstand away if you don't repent. And it kind of should scare us a little bit. And so the, the question is, is, okay, well, how do we know if we've lost our first love? How do we know? And wh- what, what happens? Uh, how do we know if we're there? What, what should you be on the lookout for? And so that brings us to our first point, which is a love grown cold. A love grown cold. If uh, you'll turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 24, and we'll get a bit of an insight here from Jesus. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 24. Starting in verse 10. Jesus says, At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. Jesus is talking here about this idea of, of love growing cold. Love growing cold. And the first thing he states is, he says, at that time many will turn away from the faith. And it's this Greek word, scandalizo, which is basically this idea of being offended. He's saying a, a fence comes in and, and we start to turn away from the faith. And, and who here is being offended? By someone. If your hand isn't up, maybe you just didn't want to put your hand up. Or you haven't been around long enough. What about some offended by someone in this room? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's not to make us... But, but that happens, doesn't it? Should we point that? No, we shouldn't. <laughs> Hopefully we've forgotten who it was. Without that, we've written those wrongs. We've, but, but we get offended, don't we, church? Yeah. We've all felt that way. Whether it be from someone at school, work, the neighbourhood a family member, someone in this very room. Maybe it's you've been hurt by someone in leadership at some point. Maybe maybe it's actually you felt that God hasn't come through. Maybe that offense has come in from, from actually just, I, I feel like God hasn't been coming through for me the way I expected. I've gone through difficult trial after difficult trial, and it doesn't feel like God's coming through guys, our, our lives are daily opportunities to be offended <laughs> we, we know that and, and if we're not careful it'll cause us to turn away from our faith and, and it's, it's this idea of there's so many things can come in and, and discourage us, offend us, cause us to stumble again whether it be offences between each other, it can even be, be illness death of whether it be a family member friends Family members or friends falling away and leaving God. People letting you down. Difficult try. These these maybe it's persecution from outside the church. Maybe it's persecution from within the church, and things come after us, and we get offended. We spiritually get offended, and and, and it can be really tough. It can be really tough. And, and I kind of view it, and I shared this with, 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 some, with some people, with some of the family leaders. It can be kind of, you guys know what a blacksmith is, right? They, they make swords, and, and it kind of looks a little like that. Not a little like that. That's what it looks like. It's, um, and so when, when a blacksmith is, is making a sword, uh, they, they obviously get the material they're, they're making it with. Um, and, and what do they do? They shove it into that like molten fire pit. And then they bring it out, And they start to bang away at it. And if you were to ask them, hey, okay, at what point do you stop? How do you know when to stop? The blacksmith will tell you when you can see your own reflection in the sword. And and to be honest, I kind of think sometimes our Christian life can be a little like this. Mm. Where we think if everything is going so well, life feels great, and, and then we're spiritually shoved in the fire. And you're just like, oh my goodness, why is this happening? And then you come out, and you get a breather. You're like, thank you so much, God, it's over. And then bang, 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 bang. You say, like, oh my goodness, when will this end? And then it stops. And you think, thank you so much, Lord. And then you're back in the fire and it's funny it's funny when we're not going through it but when we're going through it, it 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 affects us and it gets to us and we let it we let these situations offend us and we turn away from our faith cool, and and really the question is God when will it end when you look like my son jesus that that's when it that's when it'll end and and, and not to freak you out not to but but, but God is, is not wanting these things to happen to us, but he, He'll use it to refine us. Amen. He'll use it to make us look like His Son, Jesus. And, and 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says exactly that. It says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Church, as we go through trials, It's tough. And sometimes there aren't even other people in this room who can maybe even understand it, what we're going through. But but God is not, not wanting to bring that, but He wants to use that to refine us, to make us look like His Son, Jesus. And you know what? For me, it, it even happened when we first... We, before we came, we were in Sydney, and, and we were working with the team ministry, um, and, and working. I was working construction, working probably about 50, 60-hour week, and, and, and life was busy. And we were working with the team ministry... And just as we were about to sort of leave, this big issue kind of blew up um, in the church and it's particularly in the team ministry. And it was one of those moments of just like spiritually exhausted, mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. And I was just like, I can't wait to get to Birmingham. <laughs> Escape all the issues. Grass is always greener, right? Yeah. But no, you, wherever you go, there'll be issues. And sure enough, I came here and yeah, there are issues. We, we are imperfect people. But not just that, but, but within the first week of getting here, my grandfather passed away. And like we had just seen in the week before and he was like totally fine. And it was like issues get here, oh my goodness, more issues, people saying all sorts of different things, and then, oh my goodness, okay, well, amen, I've got you and then all of a sudden, bam, that happens. And it's that moment of, Oh my goodness, when 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 will it when will it stop? And you've all experienced your own different things. But but we need to, we need to not let these offences turn us away from our faith. We need to remember that these hard times they make us strong. Adversity and trials is part of the Christian life. It's part of life in general. But in the Christian life we have a way through. And again, this church has experienced adversity. Whether it be divisive people trying to tear the church apart. Whether it be family tragedy, loss, loss of jobs, marriages breaking down, children not becoming disciples, you, you've all, all whatever it may be, we, we've experienced adversity, and, and you guys have persevered. You really have. You have stuck it out. You've remained faithful, and God is looking down, and He is so, so excited, so joyful that you have persevered this far. But where is your love at for God? Because sometimes we can stick it out, but but maybe that love is kind of dwindling. Be honest, where are you at? Or is offense and discouragement kind of just warn you out and you're just kind of cruising through? just oh, just let's make it till the end. Church, you may not have the strength but Jesus does. Cling to him. Cling to Jesus, don't give in to offense. But if you do take the bait, if you do take the bait that Satan's offering, it, it goes on and, and it actually says that uh, at that time many will turn away from the faith and they will betray and hate each other. And, and the Greek word for betray basically is, is, is this idea of betrayal, but, but it basically just means that you start to put your interests above the interests of others. That's kind of even really what betrayal is. You sort of, you, uh-oh, I'm looking out for myself, you betray someone. And so it's an intense word, but it's just this idea of putting our interests above the interests of others. That, that yeah, you know what, when I first became a disciple, there was that, that godly love, that agape, where, where that, that selfless love. That, yeah, you know what, I, I put others before me, I, I truly did. But now, things have happened, and if I don't look out for self, who will? And Proverbs verse eighteen to nineteen says, "A brother offended is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel." And isn't that so true? Yeah. We get offended, and what happens? The walls go up, yeah. kind of like this. And none of us are immune to this. The walls go up. We're, whoops, st- nope. We look out to our own interests. Everyone, stay away. And, 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 and we 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 don't betray, but but we do. We start to betray each other. We look out for the interests of ourselves. We keep people at a distance. There's there's no longer openness in our relationships. We we don't we don't go to God to just wrestle to forgive each other, and to be able to move on. And in, in, instead, we take the bait that Satan's offering, and we no longer risk it, risk ourselves in relationships because they're risky. We put up the walls. The walls go up and we, and we start to look out just for self. And then Jesus says that, that then they start to hate each other. And this idea of, of hate, hatred, is, is really, the Greek word is just an absence of love. An absence of love. That, that offense comes in, walls go up, self-interest, and then there's just an absence of love for each other. This idea of we start to avoid people. We, you actually uh, that, that idea of philos love this brotherly love that that starts to, to dwindle but the brotherly love you once had that that's that's not there anymore and in fact you you even probably stop coming to meetings of the body when you get to this point you you, you actually no longer even even miss or, or desire the fellowship and, and we've probably all been in that point where we're like I just don't I just don't want to go for each one them and there are people right now in our fellowship who feel that exact way. Yeah. On, and we and the walls are up, but we need to. No, I'm not. No, I'm I'm am coming to you. No matter how high your walls go, I'm climbing over it. I'm I'm going to bring you and, and help you fix your eyes on God. It, it, this this idea of of this brotherly love leaving, and 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 then what happens when you get to this point? You start to feel like spiritually trapped. Kind of like you're in a cage. You stop going to God, stop reading, because you kind of know what it'll say, right? I know what it says, and but I don't. I just don't feel it. And 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 it goes on and on and on. And this is the point where people probably come to you and say, "Bro, sis, are you okay? I've noticed you seem down. I've noticed you seem distant. You haven't been coming out much. Is it? Are you okay? Is there something we can do?" The walls are up, and, and and instead of opening up the cage and we we no, and we're getting confronted by a healthy body of Christ. It's that that chance to really repent, to run back to that amazing loving God. And, and, and if this is you, if you've got this absence of love, don't run, don't don't brush away the the loving questions that may be coming your way. It's, it's people trying to help you come back to God. But but it, get open, get help. Don't, don't, don't keep the walls up. But if you do, if, if it does, it, and it progresses from there, it says, and then many false prophets will appear. And this idea of, of false prophets, obviously that's a really intense word. But but really, it, it's this idea of, of where... These feelings and these thoughts—they no longer stay to ourselves, but we start to want to share them with others. And not in a sense of getting help, but but help—we're lonely in the cage, and we want other people to join us in the cage. And, and if you haven't done this yourself, I know I have, and I'll be sharing a story a little later about that. People have probably done it to you, trying to come on in. And, and we need—we need to say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! No, this this isn't the way Jesus wants it." And again, it—I've it, been there. And once you get to this spot, it, it's—it it can be—it starts to really spread. That the stage where you aren't quiet about your grievances and issues, and you start to become loud about it. You know, anyone who will listen. But I, why? Well, I, why do I have to come to midweek? A, d- a discipling type relationship, helping one another relationship. Why do I need that? I, d- I, d- I don't really think I need that. Yeah, I, I know things are really falling apart spiritually in my life, but I don't know. Why do I need that? And we don't see clearly. But giving financially, like I don't exactly know where it goes though. Mm-hmm. Do you? And it, it's this, it starts to spread. It really does. It's casting doubt, negative opinion, suspicion. And, and you see when you're in that cage, that spiritual cage, you, you want to bring other people in. And it's, it's then what Jesus says. He goes, then there'll be an increase of wickedness, which is just this Greek word which is lawlessness. This idea that, that it's no longer just a couple of people, but that attitude spreads and spreads and spreads. And the standard that we once had of discipleship, of what it meant to, to make Jesus Lord of your life, the, the whole church's standard drops. And we need to be so careful, church, that this doesn't happen. That that maybe this is happening. That where half the church doesn't come to midweek, maybe. Where all of a sudden, half the church is saying, no, I don't really want anyone helping me, spiritually. It, it, it spreads, this lawlessness sort of spreads throughout the church. And... And then from there, Jesus says, our love grows cold. Our love grows cold. To the point, where we're no longer indignant when, when the bride of Christ is being badmouthed, mouthed when, when the church is being bad-mouthed by people. We no longer have that righteous anger. Gossip and slander about someone, it goes left unchallenged. You, you go weeks without spending time with God in heartfelt prayer and reading. Months, maybe years since you've actually been in a Bible study with someone, trying to help someone become a Christian. Maybe months or years since you've really shared your faith with someone, trying to help them see God and, and our love grows cold. And I know for me, when I was in my second year of university, I'd been a christian for like a year and a bit um and i was i i was actually really like i felt like i was really zealous and 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 i really wanted to see god do amazing things our campus ministry had just started there was about four in our campus ministry and, and i really wanted to see god do amazing things and i was really sort of hardworking. and i would reach out probably two to three hours a day on campus every day let's go for it whether it's anyone else but just by myself i'm, I'm going for it um but it was amazing. Months went by and not a single person wanted to study. And it was that moment where the offence starts, right? God, what's going on? I'm working so hard. Like, what are you doing? Why, why, why would you put this through? Why would you put me through this? And, and I started to feel burnt out. I started to feel offended. And then I started to feel offended towards people in the campus ministry. My campus minister. I was like, man, this guy... I'm doing all this hard work I get no appreciation he's not on campus as much as me all these thoughts started to come into my mind and I started to forget the fact that he'd studied the Bible with me helped me become a disciple and all that went out the window and this guy is such a jerk (laughs) thankfully the other brothers in the campus ministry if I had said that to them they would have challenged me so I stopped I wasn't able to infect them thankfully with my negative thoughts but I did look for people to infect That, that, where you, I was in the cage, I felt lonely, I wanted other people in the cage with me. Yeah. That, and, and then what made it worse was, was my, this chemist minister, I, I'd sort of said some of these negative things and he had found out, and, and he came and he kind of challenged me on my pride. And, and I was just even more hurt. I said, How dare you? I've been out there working my guts off and I get no recognition, no praise from anyone. Uh, um, okay, maybe there's a little sense there of I was doing something wrong. Like, no no one appreciated. How dare he? And the walls immediately went up. I avoided him at all costs. I avoided other brothers that I thought might actually try and help me spiritually. I stopped initiating with him, other brothers. I kind of just went solo. And I even got to the point, this was in 2011, no, 2010, that, that I, was, I was even close to believing God. I was that close. I said, Well, I, I'm done. Well, I, how, if, if God's not helping me, these people aren't helping me, who will? And I was so close to walking away from God. I even got to the, the, the crazy. I share this with you because I want to, like, this, it's just crazy. There was even another older brother, and he came to me, and he was like, Hey, he sort of knew what was going on. And, and he says, Bro, he goes, We'll start our own campus ministry, we'll show them. We'll convert hundreds of people. And, and I, for a second, I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the motivation? Uh, it wasn't love for God, that's for sure. And, but, and I look back now and it's just like humiliating to think how far it can get. Yeah. Whereabouts are you, guys? Where, where in the process are you? L- look out. If, if you're not, keep an eye. Make sure it doesn't get to that point. That, 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 that our love grows cold. And I'm so grateful these brothers didn't give up. I put my walls up. They didn't. They kept coming. They kept coming. It, I kind of got more offended as they kept coming, but eventually <laughs> they kept coming with more people. And it, But I wouldn't be here if they didn't keep coming. I want to encourage you guys, don't give up on people. Don't give up. When the walls go up, don't give up. And, and the amazing thing was, as soon as I decided to like humble myself, after months and months and months of sharing my faith and no one studying the Bible, within the next month after that decision, two, two guys became disciples at our university. And our Bible talk went from two people to four people. And, and it, was, it was amazing to see. And I was like, my goodness, God really blesses humility. It was that moment of just, I, I, was, I was doing all the work, nothing was happening. Humble myself and all of a sudden God does something. How does that really work? I don't know, but God blesses humility. Church, we need to get back to our first love. Back to our first love. How do we do that? Well, this leads us to our second and final point, to hunger and thirst. And in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus says in the Beatitudes, He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. It's this idea we need to hunger and thirst for our relationship with God. This, like, it's kind of like a Wednesday night as we were breaking the fast and there was just that desire to just be like a ravenous animal and just like <laughs> devour as much food and as drink as you want. I've never seen anyone bring to midweek a big massive box of water bottles and handing them out like they're gold, but that was happening. People were just sort of just going crazy for food. And that's how we should feel about our relationship with God. And how will it? It starts with, of course, God's Word. We, we need to be in God's Word. And I don't mean just in God's Word. I mean really in God's Word. That, that, that letting the Scriptures not just expand your brain and your mind, but expose your heart. Yeah, yeah. And in Luke 8, just write this down, don't turn there, just for the sake of time, but in Luke 8, it's a parable of the sower, and there are these four different soils. Three, if you remember, they don't stay faithful. Their love grows cold, Um, and for very different reasons. That one, the the word of God doesn't get into the heart. The other, the word doesn't go deep into the heart. And the third one, the the word's in the heart, but things choke it out. And, And then you look at the fourth one, though. And what is it that, that, that makes the fourth one last? It's the noble and good heart who hears the word, retains it, and, pers- and by persevering produces a crop. That idea of, of letting it go down deep into our hearts and persevering in it, retaining it. That, that is key. It, it is all about the word of God getting into our hearts. The, the, the word of God and our love for God, they're directly linked. It's this idea of, of a little of God's word in your heart, you can guarantee there'll be little faith and little love. No God's word in your heart, eventually you'll guarantee there'll be no love and no faith in your heart. Yet much of God's word, letting it into your heart, I promise you there'll be much faith and much love. It's right, it's read Luke 8. God's Word is key. But are you really hungering and thirsting for it. Do you wake up each morning like that's the most important appointment of the day? Because it is. And the second part of that is, is, of course, prayer. You're probably thinking, yeah, Word of God, prayer, I've heard this before. But, but reconnecting our heart and, and love to God, it goes back to our prayer life. And I believe we can learn a lot from prayer through, through reading different people's interactions with Jesus. Because they kind of like prayers when you think about it. You have someone, they go to Jesus with a request, a question, a statement, and Jesus generally responds in some way or another. Whether it be an answer or another question or something. But he responds. And so you kind of, it's kind of like a prayer in a bit, in a sense. And so if you'll turn your Bibles, this will be the last verse we look at in Mark chapter 9. We see a great... Instance of this, and I believe a great kind of model of how we should pray. Mark chapter 9, and I'll just start reading just for the sake of time. It uh, says in verse 14, we're reading 14 and 29, it says, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with him about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by an evil spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You, believe, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into a fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet and he stood up. In verse 28, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. And it's a situation where um, where, where this father comes to Jesus and he says, look, I, I, my son, he's been like this crazy demon possessed and he's been like this since childhood and, and, and I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't do anything. And, and, and Jesus says, he goes, well, what, what's the solution? Bring the boy to me. Just b- bring him to me. And as disciples and as just people, as human beings, we all have lots of issues. Again, what we were talking about before, discouragement, all the different things that come in that make our love grow cold. And those situations, those sins, those different things, they can feel really stubborn. Like they just won't leave. It may even feel like a demon-possessed situation you're in. This moment where where Jesus is saying, but look, don't go it on your own. Bring the issue to me. Don't run. Bring it to Jesus. If you have lost your first love, if you're offended, hurt, if your love has grown cold, don't go it alone. Run to God in prayer. Because then in verse 29, Jesus says, he says, that kind can come out only by prayer. You may even think, but I've tried praying. I've done that. And nothing seems to change. But I think as we see how this, the Father interacts with Jesus, we get a bit of a hint as to maybe why it doesn't sometimes work the way we would like. In verse 22, um, the Father says, you know, he goes, he has this interaction with Jesus, and and again, picture this like a prayer. In verse 22, he um, the father says, you know, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus' response is kind of like, he's like, if, if I can, it's like anything is possible for the one who believes. And, and how does the father respond? I, I, I do believe. It says he exclaimed immediately, I know, I do believe. He's like, what do you mean? I've come to you. Well, I wouldn't have come to you if I didn't believe. And, and we may think that as well. Well, I have prayed. What do you mean? Of course, I believe you can do this. But but then he kind of interrupts himself, doesn't he? Mm. He says, actually, help me in my unbelief. Mm. And it's this interesting moment where he's like, I do believe, well, maybe I don't really believe. Maybe as I've been praying, I don't actually truly believe that God can work in this situation. I think this is too far beyond his ability. And church... This, this is the type of prayer that we need to have and I, I pray this a lot this prayer this idea that, that yeah God I do believe you can do these things but help me overcome my unbelief because to be honest there's times where I really don't there's times where I'm too focused on self on the things I can see and not on what I can't see and, and church let, let's have honest open prayers like this where, where we go to God with situations and we say God help me overcome my unbelief Help me overcome it. Help, help, me, help, help me get my love back to where it once was. I don't know if it ever can. I, that's how I feel right now. But, but you say this, so, so help me believe it. Help me believe it. Again, it's this idea of, of admitting that you struggle to believe. Getting open about your unbelief. What is your prayers really like? Are they just this list that you scroll through mindlessly? Or is this heart engaged and wrestling with God? That's that's the type of prayer that will move God. That's the type of prayer that will, will see God work. Again, church, I, it's, I think it's even this idea, this is like a promise that God kind of makes. And church, are you willing to take God up on His promises? When, when you were a kid, you always took your parents up on their promises. Kind of like my parents would... It would, especially if it was like some chores they wanted me to do it would be like hey if you do this we'll go to McDonald's tonight <laughs> and what do you think happened like the second I finished my chores <laughs> when are we going and, and I would keep asking and I would keep asking until it happened there was no way I was oh gee I just hope maybe God my parents do something uh. no I would I would remind them of the promise that they made hey, let you, yes be yes I heard that one time in a sermon <laughs> I wasn't that. I wasn't that switched on, so I didn't do that. But but you, but but take God up in His promises. There's so much in here that He has promised. Take Him up on it. Whether it be the, the situation, leaving, maybe that just won't happen. But but maybe it's God. Give me the faith and strength to make it through. Help me understand why You are saying no to this prayer. Help me understand. Give me faith to make it through. Church, we need to be bold in our prayers. Really connecting at a heart level and, and, and I, I kind of believe that if prayer hasn't been working for you treat prayer and this may sound blasphemous so bear with me treat prayer kind of like science a little bit and I, by that I mean with science you have like a a theory or a hypothesis and you put it to the test it's like okay well does this work is this true and, and I believe we should kind of try and do that with prayer a bit where I think what happens so often is, is we just do the same thing in prayer over and over and over again and it's just the exact same and nothing really changes or we say, okay, let me try some new things in my prayer life but then oh, I've got to go in 10 minutes and we rush through it and nothing changes and, and we sit in the same room that we've sat in praying and reading our Bible for the last 5 to 15 years saying the, the same prayer that we've been saying for the last 5 years with really our heart not engaged and praying the same way and, and nothing changes Try something new. I, I know, for me, I used to always pray in my head. And I don't know about you, but that was the, a sure way for me to be distracted. And I'm thinking of who knows what else in five seconds' time. People in the Bible—they they prayed out loud. That's right, yeah. And well, I don't know, but maybe they used to do something we don't. And a lot of a lot of their prayers really seem to work. Why don't you pray out loud? Give that a go. Instead of. Instead of maybe just sitting in your lounge room and praying, as you've been doing for the last five years, find a new location. People, people in the Bible prayed on the street, in the temple, on boats, on mountains, in gardens, inside whales by oceans, by lakes. Uh, and their prayers generally seem to have some sort of effect. And there we are, sort of sitting in the same chair we've been sitting in for 15 years. Let, let's try something new. It's kind of this relationship where it's exciting, where we're, we're kind of like spicing things up with God a little bit. We're, we're, I, I want to do something new with God. Church, let's let's get back to our first love. Back to the way it was at first find out what works for you find out what works for you church let, let's not let offense discouragement false prophets derail us spiritually the trials that we face that God wants to use us to, to use to refine us let's let's persevere through those let's encourage one another to do that and when when you do get stuck in that cage when the walls go up get open get real we, we've all been there. No one's, no one's gonna sort of. Oh my goodness! I can't believe no, we, we've all been there at some point. We need to help each other with this. Get open. Get real. Get humble. Run to God. Hunger and thirst for His righteousness, for a relationship with Him. Church, let's go back to the love you had at first, and let's see God transform our lives.